Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know at impact at jfc.org. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org. Click on the Give link and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, The Book of Acts. We will be diving deep into Acts and looking at eyewitness accounts of the Holy Spirit and asking ourselves, can these same miracles happen in our church today? It's going to be an amazing series you won't want to miss. Hi, folks. Good to see you. Glad that you are here, and I mean that sincerely. Very, uh, very excited about teaching this weekend, and uh, appreciate all of you, um, all of you being here. On the way in to all of our services, you're handed the notes, and if you want to grab those in just a moment, we'll refer to those and we'll jump into the series. Before you do that, I want to um, not just reinforce. I want to encourage. I want to, um, I want to instruct. I want to do whatever I can. Uh, we need your help, and here's how you can help us, and this is for all of our campuses, uh, Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, Lone Tree, Lakewood, our online folks, this is what we need you to do. You saw Pastor Marcus roll out a moment ago our new uh, Alexio, and how this is going to work to connect people at our church, all the different benefits, the features. Uh, here's the one thing that we need from you to make this work. We need you to go online and create a profile. If you don't do that, then everything that we've done is for nothing, and it won't work, and it, and it won't benefit you, and we can't use it to be able to help connect and to provide all the benefit. But if you'll go online, take a moment, uh, please create a profile. Uh, everything is secure. It, we're not asking you for more information than what you've already provided for us, but it will streamline this, and we need you to do it. If you go uh, this week and begin to work on it, We've already figured that there will be uh, some problems with people like, um, you know, what do I do about this and how do I do that? So let me, let me tell you how you get help, okay? Here's what you do. You, you, there's two ways. You can call Pastor DeMay at home. That's, that's one of the ways that you could, you could do this. And uh, I will just encourage you after midnight is the time to call, call Dan. He's, he's going to stay up all night waiting for, for your telephone call. Actually, the real way that you, could, that you could do this, if you have a pen or you're going to use a device for notes or you can, again, if you have a strong enough memory, uh, help at jfc.org. So if you need help, uh, we can respond to these things same day. If you call, it's not always that easy, especially if there's multiple people calling at once, like, what do we do about this? And it'll actually overload many of our admins. We don't want to overload our admins. But uh, both Marcus and uh, Peter Gertis, who was over all of our IT, those two guys will be monitoring that this week. So when you go to create a profile, if for any reason it doesn't work right or you're just like, I don't know about this or I have a question, help at jfc.org, and we will respond to you as quickly as possible. And uh, I really think that you'll find this to be a great benefit for you. We're excited about this. A lot of work on our side of it's going into making this uh, really good, and I think you'll see the benefit of it. But it, like I said, we need you to create a profile. That's how it will work. All right, enough of the announcements. Go ahead and grab your notes. Uh, we're teaching from the book of Acts. I want to welcome all of our affiliates everywhere, whether you actually sit in a physical location. Uh, I guess wherever you are is a physical location, isn't it? Uh, whether you're at one of our physical campuses or your home, uh, however you listen to this, I don't care if you're walking along somewhere and you've downloaded it and you're listening to it, we want to welcome you and we appreciate you being a part of our church. 
uh, we're teaching on the Acts of the Apostle. The book of Acts, the total, the total title for Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, what it stands for. I said this last week. Uh, it just talks about the beginning of the church, all the different things that the apostles did, uh, all of the leadership of the church, all of the different things they experienced, the miraculous, the day in, the day out. Everything goes into that. Uh, and in my mind, here's, here's what I want you to get from this there's two ways to read the book of Acts. Both are correct, but both are necessary. So you can read it as history only, looking at the book of Acts like, wow, there, there's our legacy. There, that's, that's how it got started. That's part of our, of our history. It's okay to look at the book of Acts as history. It really is. But don't only see it as history. You need to also see it as a prophetic book. So while it's a historical book, it took place, it's also the same God who did those things wants to do those things today. So it's history and prophecy. When you read Acts, you should think this needs to be happening in my life because if he's the same God who did those things, he still wants to do those things today. Does that make sense? So when we read it, it should pique our interest. It should get our hearts asking, God, I want the supernatural in my life. God, I want to see these things happen uh, for me too and for our church too and in our day and age. And I would just say this, for those who argue, well, God had to do those things to get the church started, I would say to you, he also needs to do those things so that the church finishes well. Would you agree with that statement? It needs to finish well. It's not enough to start well. You've got to finish well, too. So uh, let's, uh, let's do this for our text tonight, Acts 16. Uh, we're moving ahead uh, a little bit in the, uh, in the book. Acts 16, 16 through 34. Again, there's not enough room for it in the notes, so you can follow along as I read this from the NIV. Uh, once, when we were going to the place of prayer... Uh, and again, when we're, when we're looking at these, why, why do we spend time in prayer? Why do we do these things? Because the people who model for us what it's supposed to look like did these things. So when you read it, see it, folks. It's right. So when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became, this, there's, there's a lot here. Finally, Paul became uh, so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Now, let me just point this out. She's saying, listen to these guys. Um, I mean, in the natural, you would think they would be like, wow. But he recognized in his spirit, this is an unclean spirit. Not everything can be recognized in the flesh. Not everything can, it, it may sound right, but that there is the problem and why you need the Holy Spirit because it may sound right, but if it's not right, the only way that we know sometimes is through the Holy Spirit. So Paul turns around to this woman and says, in the name of Jesus, unclean spirit, come out of her. Imagine this confrontation. So finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, not to the woman, he's talking to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owner realized that their hope of making money was gone, remember, they used this, this, this demon that was in this woman as a method of fortune-telling. So when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, beaten with rods, all for doing something good in this situation. They ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged. They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. 
When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. Here, here uh, his orders under Roman law simply would have been, if they escape, that's your life that we're going to come for first before we go after them. That's why he's on double, double guard right here. So when he received these orders, the jailer, he put Paul and Silas in the inner cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. Now look at their response. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Just, hey, on a bad day, how many of you, that's the first thing you turn to at midnight? <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I noticed my other hand. I'm just, this is, the, this is the hand of prophecy. This is the hand where it's re- like in my pocket. Yeah, I, have tr- I struggle with this too. So Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors open. He automatically thinks to himself, uh-oh. Uh, he draws his sword and was about to fall on it. I was going to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Here, here's what he knew. This is going to be easier than if I let the Romans get a hold of me. Can you imagine how brutal? So he's about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouts out, don't harm yourself. We are all here. I think that might be the jailer. Uh, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the other prisoners, uh, to all the other people in his household. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. It's just not an amazing story. It's just an amazing story. So the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. What a, what a powerful story. It's a powerful story. I, I, forgive me for reading so much of it. I feel like so much today will take one or two verses and, and the reality of the, the, the matter is you can make one or two verses say anything that you want to. When you read Scripture as a whole, you'll get context. And when you get context, you get the understanding of how this applies in our life. And I felt it's so worthy of reading the miraculous. Folks, we should be believing God to set appointments like this in our life too. It's an example to us not only to look and say, wow, look at what God did, but to think to ourselves, this is what God wants to do with the church today, with me and in our life. All right, at the transition point, uh, I titled the message just simply The Power of Praise. It's the thing that stood out to me in this message, although I'll confess to you right now, it's going to go in two ways. So we'll talk about the power of praise, what praise does, but in the middle of that, I want to talk about spiritual warfare because this message has a lot to do with spiritual warfare. So I just put down right below that these, these three thoughts right here. Prayer, praise, and worship contain supernatural power. Can you agree with that right there? So even if you sit in your life and you're like, well, I don't see much of that going on, at least when you read the story, if you believe the story, do you see that before anything took place, prayer, praise, and worship was happening with these guys before the miraculous took place? So before they ever ended up, even in the position where he cast the demon out, the Bible says they're on their way to the place of prayer. This was their habit. This is what they did on a regular basis. Listen, last week I made mention of this. So I'm teaching on, uh, from the book of Acts, the idea, why, why don't we see things happening today that we read about in the book of Acts? And I don't have the answer for all of that. I, I'll just confess right now, I don't know all of that, but I do know this. 
looking at last week's message, some of it is they were led by the Holy Spirit in a way that many people today are not. We read about it, but we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is the place of the supernatural. And I would say another reason basing it on this is there was a level of prayer, praise, and worship. Many of us enter into those things when we come to church. But it's not so much a part of our daily. If we do it, we do it quickly. We do it fastly. We do it many times when we're in trouble or when it's convenient. Listen, this has to be a life. The supernatural is not something for every. It's a lifestyle. It's a result of a gift. It's not the gift. Did you get that? Uh, I I mean, in my family, uh, I I was going to say, Chris doesn't seek after the the gift. She married the gift giver. Um, But by getting me, she gets all the gifts. That was a good place for you to say amen. Because everybody else is like, I don't don't know if that's true or not. It's true. It's very true. You get me, you get all the gifts. You were thinking about what? We, we can't talk right now. Hold on. As much as I want to have a conversation with you, it would not benefit anybody else in the room. Although it may make our nice nicer later on. So anyway, uh, prayer, praise, and worship contain a... Su- I, I, listen, teaching on prayer one time, it's, it's an invisible violence. An invisible violence to the enemy's kingdom. But it's anything that you see in the natural as far as the Spirit of God moving. Folks, many times what what we're missing is we we look at that and we think, why did God just do that right then? But we don't realize the worship and the prayer and the things that were done prior to God moving. God is moved by the prayers of his people. God, he yields to those things. He acts on those things. And we tend to think of God as just sovereign in history. While God is sovereign, he loves to connect in partnership with his people. So that when we worship him and when we praise him and when we pray, there's an invisible violence there. And too often the enemy convinces us to come so short of what God would have us do that we, uh, we come short in life. It's like, where is, man, where's break, where, where, where are we in prayer? Is it okay to say that? Where are we in our worship? Where are we in our praise? And it lists both of them. Many people today are just on the worship, you know, the, the, uh, just the real, I like it, quiet Praise means to shout to him. There's a breakthrough that happens in the praise, not just the worship. We should embrace it all. So I'm going to say that again. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, yeah, or amen, or right on. We should embrace it all. Man, you guys are spiritually sharp, like knives. All right, let me, um, prayer, praise, and worship contain supernatural power. Let me, two things that you can see these three things affect. Two things that you can see these three things. Prayer, praise, and worship affect these two things. The first one is just simply physical battles. Physical battles. Anyone in the room ever have a physical battle? Do you ever have things in business that you battle? Do you ever have things in a marriage or with children or in life or in health? Or, do you ever battle anything? So if you don't, then this message isn't for you. But check your pulse. You may be dead. I mean, look, if we live, we battle. Physical battles. So from the Old Testament, this is a familiar, when, I think when praise and worship is taught, this is used 
Let, let me see if I can throw this in a new dimension to you. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 22 and 23. To set this up, um, th- there's Israel, Judah. Israel's split at this time. Judah is following after God. Israel's gone astray. Uh, Judah, is, it, it, Judah represents worship. It represents a heart for God. And uh, all of a sudden, Judah wakes up and finds out that they're being uh, besieged and attacked by a huge, overwhelming uh, joint army coming against them. And they don't know what to do. They don't have the resource. They don't have the manpower. It's, if, if, they don't know what to do. And they begin to pray and worship and seek the Lord. And uh, one of the prophets comes to the king and says, listen, the battle is not yours. It belongs to God. And here's all God wants you to do. He wants you to go out. You've got to have courage to go out to meet him. You cannot stay here in your house. You can't hide up in here. You can't hang out like nothing. You've got to be willing to go out to meet them. But if you go out to meet them, you don't need to take a sword with you. Here's what you need to do. You need to worship God as you go into battle. Because the battle belongs to God, not to you. Now look, if, this was, if, if they were able to fight this battle, it would have never occurred to them, God, we don't know what. If they, so if you know what to do in a battle, then you've got the strength, go do it. But if you ever find yourself where the odds are too great and you need God to do something on your behalf, I want you to remember this. At that point, the battle is not yours, it belongs to God. Now, if you have the resource to fight the battle, if you have the brains to fight the battle, if you have the know-how, then you don't need to say, God, what do I do? He's already given it to you. Does that make, does that make sense? But if you ever find yourself in a place where you don't know what to do, then the battle's not yours, it's God's. And at that point, you need to begin to worship him, and you need to begin to praise him, and you need to begin to allow him use the supernatural. So here's, here's what they confess. Before I read the scripture, here's the two things they confess. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. That's a great place to be at in life. Listen, I'm going to say it one more time. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. That should be every believer's saying as you enter into life. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It's a great place for a believer to be with God. The second thing, as they begin to go into this, is that they just used the worship. They allowed God just to, they just elevated him in front of their enemies. Here's what happened. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites, the Moabites, rose up against the men. So in other words, they began to fight each other the men from Mount Seir, to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one. So, in other words, God set ambushes so that the enemy turned against himself and began to fight. So the Israeli, they're just standing there watching this like, maybe we should sing louder. Wouldn't you love for the enemy of your soul to devour himself in front of you. Instead of devouring your stuff, your family, your health, your peace, your wisdom, your strength, your stature, 
What, what if you just began to worship God and elevated God in front of your enemy to where the enemy in confusion turned against himself? What, isn't that the kind of battle you would like to fight? So they confess after that that the battle belonged to the Lord and that the Lord set ambushes against their own enemies. I'll just throw this out to you. If you face something that's bigger than what you have resource, brains, energy, <laughs> know-how, the battle belongs to the Lord. And this is not one of those, hey, God, help me, or God, what am I going to do, and then go panic. This is really, you're becoming spiritually a force when you can elevate the name of the Lord in front of your enemy. It's easy to stand up here and preach it and say amen to it. It's much harder to do. The devil's tactic is terror. Terror makes us run, scream, cry, fear. Yes, no? It's hard to stand there and just worship God when you're facing an enemy. Let me just talk about emotional torment. So there's physical battles that it works with, but the emotional torment. Now this one, I just want to split this real quick. Uh, 1 Samuel 16 talks about King Saul. Not Saul in the book of Acts, but King Saul from the Old Testament. Saul was the first king of Israel. Um, he was a profound leader initially, but his heart wandered from God. He allowed all sorts of just sin into his life. He had an extreme problem with disobedience. And at some point in the middle of that, God rejected him as king. And it was without remedy. He picked David. And the sad part about this is, in the rejection of him being king, God didn't reject him as a human or a man. He rejected him as king. The guy, he, he disqualified himself to lead. This is important. I want you to listen to this. What God wanted from him was to simply forsake your sin and repent. And I think Saul's life, although he wouldn't have been king, he had already picked David, I think his life would have turned out to be okay. I think his family might have turned out to be okay. Saul lost everything. Um, and, and we read about part of that. Um, the Bible says th this language, I, I, few pastors will preach on this because it's a confusing passage of Scripture. It says the Spirit of the Lord left Saul and an evil spirit from God began to terrorize Saul. What it means is that God is in charge of everything, and this couldn't happen unless God had said, okay. And what it meant is Saul went so far that God didn't do this to Saul. Saul did this to Saul. This was the result of what Saul did, but God stood back. That's what you want. I'll let this happen to you. And this spirit would come, and it would torment Saul. The problem with this is that if you just read it straight out, you think to yourself, I mean, you know... He just was discomforted or he, was, he, he, he couldn't be quieted. But if you study it out, here, here's what happened to Saul. Listen to this. He became so tormented in his mind and in his physical body, he was distracted and couldn't give counsel anymore. He became, listen, weak and foolish. He lost his courage and his greatness of mind. He became timid and fearful, anxious. He became envious, suspicious, full of rage and despair, we would call it a paranoid personality in psychology, yes or no? 
It was so bad that if you go to study about it, he acted like a person who was actually possessed. But here's what I believe. It's that a person who under God, I, I, you can be oppressed, not possessed. And if you say, oh, thank God, it's just oppression. <laughs> no. <laughs> I need you to hear me right now. Because I think the message is not just right now. Praise and worship gets us out of it. Here's what I think the real message might be in this. is that if you've opened your life up so that the enemy has an inroad into your life, coming to God may bring temporary relief, but the reason things don't change and the reason you're tormented and the reason you're put in this position where you can't get free and you've lost, you know. If I'm talking to you, you know. You've lost what God gave you. You've lost your place. You've lost your authority. You're losing your mind. And I'm going to tell you something. This message should not be taken by a person who just goes, so I'll just worship and praise a little bit and I'll be okay. You need to forsake sin in your life, cut the enemy off, and then you worship God. Amen. Here, folks, hear me on this. I'm not a fire and brimstone guy, but I'm telling you something I heard from the Holy Spirit this afternoon, and it so stayed on my heart that I poured out before God, and I'm letting God search my heart. And there's things that I'm like, God, you, it is the enemy's tactic is to de- he is a deceiver, and we don't see it when it enters into our life. It covers just enough where we think we're okay. So that what you see when you see a result, something you can't get free from. Uh, you, you mark your life. I've, I was here, and now I'm here, and I can't get back. Don't fool around with this. Don't go, it's just a little oppression. Get this out of your life. And let me say, because we deal with this with one of our children, there is a difference between a physical problem that afflicts you emotionally and a demonic problem that afflicts you emotionally. I am not saying across the board, if you have an emotional issue, it's a demon. But for some people, it is. Hear me on this issue. If you're opening your life to a particular thing where you've given the enemy an inroad, you have authorized, you have given him permission to invade your life, and it's not enough to get temporary relief then. You okay? It is good. So I'm actually preaching to you, not guilt and condemnation. Get free. God wants to, why would God even bring so that we can get free from it. He doesn't want us to walk with these things in our life or in our heart or to be... Hmm. So it just reads this way from 1 Samuel 16, 23. It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and he played with his hand. He would worship God and Saul became refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. But the problem was, as soon as David stopped, this thing could come back on him. Too many of us live our lives in temporary measures of victory, and God wants you free. It was for freedom that he set us free. Just for freedom's sake. Just so that the enemy could... Jesus delivered you from bondage so that the enemy has no right to you, but you can open your life. You okay?
hear me on this issue. If you find yourself sitting there uncomfortable, what would I do? Forsake sin, repent, and ask God to deliver you. Do not sit there and reason one day. Don't hold on to it anymore. I don't care what it is. Deal with it. You know, the Bible talks about praise for breakthrough in 2 Corinthians 10.4. Paul says this to a group of believers dealing with spiritual warfare. The weapons that we fight with aren't of this world. Some weapons, physical weapons, cannot touch a spiritual issue. It takes a spiritual weapon. Let me go back to our text, Acts 16, 25 and 26. So remember where Paul and Silas are, what's happened to them. They acted on behalf of God. <laughs> the people around them did not rejoice in what they did. In fact, it was just the opposite. It caused them problems for being righteous. They were beaten and thrown in jail. And then it says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So let me give you five things from this real quick. The first one is just the paradoxical kingdom of God. The last place you would think people would praise and worship is midnight after they've been beaten, sitting in chains and stocks, yes or no? Do the opposite of what the devil wants you to do every time. It's a paradoxical kingdom. If you want to be first, be last. You want to be great, be least. Yes or no? You want to be free? Don't complain and curse. Worship and praise. It's a paradoxical kingdom. The second thing from this passage right here, when you do this, when you lift this up, when you live this way, it is a witness that cannot be denied. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Everybody around you will see what you do if you do it. And it's an undeniable witness. Yes or no? Think about this. It's the old cliche of it's not what you say, it's what you do. That's what this is. It's an undeniable witness. Three, so it just says this. While they were praying, singing hymns to God, the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, love that word. The suddenly of God is what I called it. All through the Bible, it's like an earthquake would be the equivalent. You're sitting there and for years nothing changes and then all of a sudden, suddenly God shows up. It feels like it's arbitrary. It feels like there's no rhyme or like just suddenly he showed up. No, it's suddenly in the natural, but in the spirit, a long time of worship, prayer and praise. And then boom, it feels like a suddenly, but it's not a suddenly. Does that make sense? It looks suddenly, but you've been pushing on something for a long time. It's kind of like a, a baby. It looks suddenly. but there's a lot of pushing that went on in the background. <laughs> How about that? If you're a man and don't get it, what can I do for you? <laughs> How about this? No way for them out of their situation in the natural. You agree? No way out. When God does for you what he does, he'll open a door that no man can open, and he'll shut ones that no one else can interfere with. You want God active on your behalf. You want God to do things on you. I'm giving you 
the way. Last but not least, maybe here's the best thing. Instead of thinking deliverance for me, here's what happened. They all got set free when Paul and Silas got set free. So real revival doesn't just change you, it changes everything around you. Everything around you. So the drive home, where are you stuck? Where are you chained? Where are you held fast? Where's the inner prison in your life? Be honest. You don't need to tell me, it's rhetorical. Where have you opened the door? How about this? Decide to praise and not complain this week. (laughs) Here's a prayer. God, I want and welcome your supernatural deliverance in my life and situations. If I offered that as a prayer tonight, tomorrow, this weekend, this week, whenever you hear this message, listen. If I offer this as the prayer, God, I welcome the supernatural in my life. I want you to deliver me. Does that just mean, God, I want everything to stay the same? Just do your thing, but let everything else stay the same? Or do you really want to be delivered? What's it mean? Think about that for a moment. So I admit, maybe the message isn't for everybody, but I thought any person who finds themselves in chain might welcome this message. Might find great joy in a message like this. So Lord, we love you, and we want to take a minute to act on the supernatural. So the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's about power. Paul said when he came He didn't come with intellectual arguments, but he came in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That same God is the God that we worship in this room, that we love, that we serve, that we gather this weekend at all of our campuses to talk about that God and to look at that God. That God is a supernatural God who wants to touch your life right now you find yourself overwhelmed by the enemy and the things of the enemy and they've just taken root in your life, that God wants to set you free. And if you find yourself facing incredible, perilous odds and you don't have the wherewithal to handle it and to deal with it or even know what to do, that God wants you to worship him and elevate him right in front of your enemies. Go out to meet them, but bring your God with you. Lift him high and worship him. And don't let anything turn you from that place. If something in this message is stuck in your heart, the Holy Spirit wants you to act on that thing. Not to just simply, ah, nice information, or ah, it'll all be okay but to act on it. So what's the Holy Spirit say right now? What do you want to do about it? Father, we just ask for the liberating power of the Holy Spirit to enter our lives right now. 
Lord, more things than I can think of to name people deal with. You know all of them. You know where all of us are at. And this weekend you prepare a message, Lord, to meet us, everyone, where we're at. Father, help us. Lord, if there's things we need to forsake, to confess, to get out of our life, God, we're willing to do that right now. And we confess it for what it is. It's sin. It's our rebellion. Even if we've been beguiled by the enemy, when you open our eyes to it, it's not enough for us to say, wow, I was tricked. You want us to forsake it and to cry out to you. So help us. Act on our behalf. Be merciful to us and thank you for the grace of God that calls us to intimacy with you right now. To not live with less than what you created us for. Lord, even things that seem so deeply ingrained in our lives where we think, I don't even think it could change. Give us a suddenly. Break the chains off. Open the prison door. Bring us out. And I thank you for hearing our prayers now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, church.